The following presentation has been prepared by the Video Tax News team for Canadian tax and financial professionals. Program recorded February 24th, 2023. Enjoy! Welcome to the March edition of Life in the Tax Lane. Spring is here, I think. Joe, you. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what, Caitlin? That brings us not only into the personal tax season, which is so fun, but also this brand new and inaugural UHT season, Hugh. What do you think about mm. that? Well, you know, a lot of people are taking underused housing tax very personally, so it fits perfectly in there. And if you get a feeling of deja vu, yeah, we started talking about mm. this UHT last month on Life in the Tax Lane, too. And we had an awful lot of unanswered questions, and we were waiting for CRA to get a lot more intel out. Well, CRA got a lot more intel out. I'm not sure it really put a big dent in the unanswered questions, but they did put out a lot of data and a lot of really useful data. First off, we now know how to file this blasted thing. We have the paper form, a UHT 2900. Well, I don't have a paper form, but I can print it when I go search for a UHT 2900. Only six pages long. And I got to make sure that I list things like my co-owners who own more than 10%. And the value numbers for the property, even if I'm exempt from the tax, they got to know how to calculate the tax I'm exempt from, apparently. Uh, if you don't like fillable PDF or printing it out in hand, writing it, you do have an online filing app now. Uh, I'm not quite sure how this is supposed to work. You have to get a digital access code for it to work. But if you click the link from the digital app to go to the access code page, you punch in your information and it just gives you the code and back you go. So I'm not quite sure how much security this is adding. They must think it's important. Uh, <laughs> and what we don't have yet is anything on the portals, my account or my business account. But CRA has said in about mid-March, we should have the portals up and running as well. So that may give us another option for filing. Uh, in the meantime, if you're trying to figure out how all these rules work, uh, last month at this time, we had about... Uh, five UHTNs, underused housing tax notices from CRA, providing us with some details. They've tacked on another eight, covering an awful lot of those relevant ex exemptions for people who are not excluded from filing, but might not have to pay the tax. So <clears throat> I find those are really useful. Uh, and unless you're a Canadian citizen or permanent resident, basically holding that property solely for your own beneficial interest, you probably have to file. So if you haven't looked into this yet, well, you better get rolling because you only got till May 1st and the penalties if you are required to file are pretty steep, even if you're exempt from the tax. Yeah, and you, you know, know what? I've got to say uh, that this has really caught on. Hey, hey, Caitlin, I mean, we're seeing all sorts of people who have sort of rental properties. Is it a partnership or not? Because if it is, then all of a sudden you may have a filing obligation. Mm -hmm. Your name is on title for a property that you don't actually own you might have a filing obligation. Mm -hmm. You're a CCPC or a corporation. You might have a filing obligation. Everybody's catching on. Sorry, mm -hmm. Caitlin, I interrupted you. What? Yeah, no, I just want to make it sure everyone's aware. If you want kind of that base summary of these rules, we have a quick reference chart that breaks down the rules into kind of five steps you can think about when processing them and applying them to you or your clients. So we'll reference out that uh, quick reference chart in the show notes today. Now, Caitlin, why don't we jump over to some other T1 issues? Let's talk about uh, capital gains or dispositions. Yeah, yeah. So we're doing our tax returns. We're pulling forms, pulling slips from the CRA for our clients, perhaps for ourselves. And we see a ton of these 5,008s. 
reports of dispositions of securities and you're looking at it, you see proceeds, but in many cases, there is no cost space on these slips. And so practitioners, taxpayers have wondered in the past, you know, what does CRA do with these slips? Does it cause issues? What if I file it or what if I never file a tax return when these slips are being issued to me? And we actually had a tax court case this month coming out that provides a little insight as to some of CRA's administrative policies related to these 5008s. And essentially what came out in the, in the court decision here is where we have a taxpayer who are issued these 5008s for a particular year and they never file a tax return reporting these particular dispositions. Well, guess what? Unsurprisingly, CRA is going to start looking at it. They're going to dig into it and then they're going to try and figure out what should have been the reported taxable capital gain. And as part of the court's comments here, they look at, at least in this administrative policy, those proceeds reported on those 5,008s, figure out kind of what they think the capital gain should be based on the performance of the stock market for the period at issue, come up with a number for that, and then potentially assess you with taxable capital gains on that basis. So heads up here, uh, we got to get those dispositions on our tax returns. And if you are a client who have received a factual assessment based on this, you got to address it, you got to object to that factual assessment if the numbers are not correct and get them to fix it up front because you don't want your dis, uh, dispute rights to expire here. Yeah, that's right, Caitlin. I mean, often on those 5,008 slips, you don't have the cost base. So you have to somehow figure out the, the revenue, mm -hmm. which is what, or the game, which is what CRA is doing. Anyways, uh, I think we'll move on to the next topic here. What happens if you have a property that you're living in for half the year, maybe it's a cabin, and then you rent it out for the other half of the year? Every time you change the use, do you have a deemed disposition and therefore a potential gain on the property? Well, that's how the rules normally work. However, there is actually a provision in the Act, and we actually have a technical interpretation now that talks about this, which says, you know, when you acquired the property, if your intention was always to do that, you know, half a year this, half a year that, there was no change in use because that intention, that use that you had for it was dual purpose from the beginning. And the rule basically says you take the percentage of use for the income earning and the percentage of use for the other purposes, you multiply those by the total cost and that's what your capital cost for each of those items is going to be. But the bottom line is no, you don't have a change in use of disposition at every one of these points. In fact, the only time you would have a potential disposition is when the ratio between the two change. So that's what you're gonna have to monitor. But CRA says, in general, we're only gonna consider it a true change if it is permanent and significant. So those are really the things that we're taking a look at here. Mm -hmm. Joe, I think a lot of us are kind of familiar with that from the perspective of I'm living in one unit and I'm renting out the other one. Mm -hmm. But I don't know that we always think about it in terms of I'm changing the use sporadically, oh, time but basis. I'm consistent. Yeah, in timing that yeah. I rent it out for part of the year and I live in it for the rest of the year, which was the case here. So a little bit of shifting gears for that. Uh, our friends at CRA have been pretty busy working on their portals, and we're not going to talk about all the changes to the portals, but uh, we got a few that looked really interesting. Uh, I've lost count of how long we've been saying, we have one for businesses and corporations. We have one for individuals. What about trusts? Can we please have online information for trusts? Well, CRA kind of gave us what we asked for. We have within the represent a client portal now, my trust account. That's the good news. 
The bad news is there's virtually no information in it yet, but at least we know it started and it's going to start building up. Now, we've been having some real scraps with CRA over the last couple of years even, really heated up in October last year on how we get access to these online accounts. This one's a little different. The executor of the estate or the trustee of the trust needs to actually get representative type access first and then they can appoint other representatives. Now, for those of us who aren't dealing with trust, we got another big change announced by CRA that may help in the personal tax season. They said if you got a client who's an individual carrying on business as a sole proprietor, hmm. we're gonna give you the ability to get online access to their business information if you already have it for their personal information and they're not themselves online, which has been a big concern for a lot of practitioners. So. You're going to want to check that out if you're in that situation. And Hugh, you got to mention that one thing that we learned from uh, Maureen and, and the whole concept that when we do autofill re our return, we're going to see if our clients have online access through my account. And yeah, then I'll know which ones can or cannot get my business account. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's switch gear to some other activities at the CRA. And, and this is one that sometimes uh, accountants really struggle with, they get frustrated with, and it's where we've claimed a foreign tax credit on our tax return. CRA is asking for information to substantiate that foreign tax credit. And CRA has come out in uh, some releases this month, basically saying, number one, we're going to tie that foreign tax credit claim to a T-slip. If we can't reconcile that T-slip, that's when we're going to contact you. And sometimes these T-slips don't get updated until after we do our uh, Ford tax credit verification. So that's why you're getting some of these slips. We have other comments coming up related to getting uh, certified translations of supporting documents in, um, in, in an acceptable format. And then finally, CRA is saying, if you can't get that information immediately to support your claim within that 30-day period, ask for an extension. See if you can uh, kind of get a little bit more wiggle room. The Video Tax News team has been providing Canadian accounting professionals with practical tax information for over 40 years. Subscribe to one of our tax newsletters or join us as we present live and pre-recorded seminars relating to both personal and corporate tax. For more information, go to videotax.com. The preceding information is for general information purposes only and deals with dynamic, time-sensitive, and complex matters that may not apply to particular facts or circumstances. Information provided should not be relied upon as a substitute for specialized professional advice in connection with any particular matter. For more information, go to videotax.com slash disclaimer. Copyright Video Tax News Inc. 2023. All rights reserved.